Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to installment number five, where we're talking about understanding the times. And the key thing is that you cannot know what to do. You will not know what to do if you don't understand the times. If you don't understand what's really going on, you'll make all the wrong decisions. And many times you'll think you're making the right decision, but you're not. Now, today we're talking about preparing for the end. And man, I've got a lot to cover in this. I hope I can get it all in this message. But uh, let me remind you, you can always get my book or my series on Apocalypse about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And this, the, the book is quite a read. The series is, is, uh, uh, doesn't cover quite as much material. So you may, wanna, you may just want to do the series. But let me just start out by saying this. The key to preparing for the end is based on your definition of what the word means or the phrase means the end. See, when we think about the end, we think about the end of time. We think we have been taught that Jesus is going to come back and immediately at his coming back, everybody's either going to heaven or hell. That's going to be the end of the world. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, at the time of the end, that he would come back and that he would actually uh, put an end to the Antichrist, to the wickedness that's in the world, and for a thousand years rule and reign in righteousness so that every human being uh, that is still alive on planet Earth will have the opportunity to see how wonderful life could have been if, in fact, they had just trusted God. It was a pretty amazing thing to think that... Uh, the time that we, we, that we have been taught is going to be the darkest, worst time in the world when Jesus comes back. No, it's not. It's going to be a time when people on earth get to discover who God really is. So the word end, now the word end, I mean, it, it is talking about something coming to an end, but, it's, but in the original language, it's about something coming to an end because of uh, things that are happening and things are, that are being done to bring about something else, to bring about another beginning. So, uh, the end that Jesus talked about is preceded by the beginning of sorrows. And I hope you, if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to all the message messages in July. They are free on impactministries.com and uh, they, they will help you. They will bless you. They will prepare you for what's coming. And, but, uh, you know, the concept of the end is this, is that all of the beginning of sorrows, all of these things that are happening are to bring the nation or the world and the world as we know it to a close by starting something else. Well, all the trouble, all the, all the rioting, all these things that you see going on, all the corrupt government, all the wickedness, all the wars, all of this uh, is really happening to bring about uh, uh, really a one world government that is ultimately overthrown by the antichrist and his armies. And so that's the goal. But when Jesus comes, the end that he brings is an end to the corruption to bring about the rule and the reign of righteousness here on earth. Now we've been taught, we've also been taught that nobody could know uh, the return of the Lord. 
And uh, it, you know, it is true that we can't know the exact time. As a matter of fact, I think there's a reason that we can't know the exact time because uh, from a biblical perspective, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think that the end, I don't think that the exact time of Jesus return is etched into granite. And you can go back and listen to, to previous messages talking about scriptures that tell us that we have some influence as to when the, uh, the return of Jesus is going to, Occur Well, if we have some influence, if we can affect it, then obviously it's not etched back in granite. So that's one of the reasons that we, number one, nobody can know the end. But as that time comes, the Bible is very clear that we as believers should be able to read the signs. We should know what's going on. Let's look, in fact, at what Jesus said, and we'll take a look in, the, in Luke 21, starting in verse 25. And this is so very interesting here. And I, I'm just going to touch on something here. It's going to drive you crazy that I can't go into very much just because of time. It says Luke 21, 25, it says, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. Now, back when I was doing my undergraduate theologies in study uh, uh, in, uh, um, in the book of Genesis, I'm sorry, I, had to, I actually had to pick up my phone here. You know, you know, when you're doing this stuff on the inside in your house, there's a lot of other things that you, that you have to take care of that you don't have to take care of when you're doing all this in the studio. So, so just, just bear with me here. So <clears throat> I remember when we were doing my undergraduate studies, we were studying the book of Genesis and creation. And God says that, you know, talks about the purposes of the stars and how that part of the purpose of the stars is science. Now, we have been totally alienated from what that concept means. You know, when the Bible talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God, we read that in a passive sense that says, okay, we're going to look at the heavens and because because they're so magnificent, you know, we're going to, we're going to see the glory of God. Well, that that's partly true. That's really not what that scripture is talking about. As a matter of fact, if you'll look at that scripture in the book of Psalms, it actually names some of the ancient names of the Zodiac. Now this is so incredibly important. The Zodiac and what we know about the Zodiac now is just totally a bunch of occult uh, corruption, but you have to understand Everything that God put into the earth to make a way for us to know him uh, has been corrupted, has been stolen, has been perverted, has been twisted by the Luciferian world. That's what you call iniquity, to twist the things of God, to change the things of God, or to oppose the things of God. Uh, originally, the Hebrew word for zodiac is, is really interesting. It's called the path. It, mean, it means the path. And, and the the it's describing a path that the sun passes through in the constellations. Now, what's really interesting is in the book of Job and the book of Genesis and the book of Psalms, the ancient names for the signs of the Zodiac are given. And when you go back and read Josephus, or really you could read E.W. Bullinger's comments in the Bullinger Bible or his book on signs of the stars or signs of the heavens, and, uh, you know, Bullinger, man, he was a Greek and Hebrew scholar. He was a, an incredible uh, theologian of, of recent generations. But <clears throat> uh, what God did was in the, what we call the 12 signs of the Zodiac, the entire gospel story was written. 
And uh, Adam and Seth, according to uh, Josephus, uh, as it was passed down by Jewish history, I guess they were taught of God. And you got to realize when you live to be six or 800 years, you know, and there were no street lights, you observe the stars at night. And so God taught them uh, the story that was written in the constellations. And so, and so, the constellations began uh, with the prophecy in Genesis about the virgin birth and a child being born. And it goes through the story of that child coming and uh, uh, bruising the head of the serpent and the super serpent striking the heel of the child. And then it talks about his, uh, then it talks about his resurrection and his second coming and everything about uh, the word of God from the, from the garden prophecy all the way to the second coming of Jesus is actually written in the stars. That's why the stars were given as signs. Now, I'll just give you an example on this. And man, I'm already taking way too much time with this. A star in Bethlehem uh, was, was prophesied and Daniel knew about it. And Daniel taught the Chaldean astrologers about this. And when a new star emerged in a particular constellation, they knew that somewhere in the world, the Messiah has, was born. And based on the, the, um, the longitudinal factors in where this sign was positioned, they understood what direction they had to go in. It wasn't that the star was down here floating in front of them. They followed the signs, uh, that the, the message that was in the stars. So when it talks about signs in the heavens, I'm, I, I, it's, it's, I don't know what all is going to happen, but I can tell you this, it's talking about the, the fulfillment of these prophecies being expressed literally in the heavens. It talks about how there's going to be distress on earth. And we've already talked about that, where there's going to be, you know, where there's going to be earthquakes, war, starvation, ethnic conflict, and all that's man-made. And one of the things you always want to remember with everything that you're seeing is man-made and it's actually in the beginning of sorrows as it is not as bad as you're being led to believe. And it's not caused in the way that you're led to believe. Verse 26 says, men's hearts are going to fail them for fear and expectation of those things that are coming. In other words, the fear that is pumped in. Basically, well, that's why Jesus said, look, don't let your heart get troubled over Matthew 24. Don't let fear overtake you because you start expecting certain things to happen. And what you expect to happen will probably not be what's going to happen, even though some horrible, horrible things are going to happen. And of course, you know, the key signs of the times that we're in, we talked about this recently. I, I'm just, I'm just running over this because I want to get into preparation. But, but the, the key sign of where we are in history right now is lawlessness. It is the rejection of God's morals, values, ethics, his justice. All of the word of God is being replaced with humanistic, socialistic, uh, anti-God, Luciferian doctrine that replaces the word of God promise you, you know, I've always said this and I got this from Karl Marx. Karl Marx said that socialism was basically the only lie that was powerful enough to destroy the whole world. And here's one of the reasons why, because even the church is binding socialism because, because socialism promises you everything that the kingdom of God promises you. The only difference is you have to reject God's morals, values, standards of justice and all things uh, in order to have it. And, and so people don't know the Bible. They don't trust God. They don't trust God's ways. Everybody wants what God offers. Not everybody's willing 
to walk the path of righteousness, to have what God offers. And so, so what's going to happen is through all of this that you see going on, you know, is it going to happen now immediately? I don't know. We'll see. It's according to whether the, whether the righteous stand up and stop it. We can stop what's happening right now. We do not have to usher in the Antichrist right now. But, uh, but uh, if lawless continue, lawlessness continues to abound, our nation will be destroyed. The economy will be destroyed. And all this is written in the book of Revelation. Uh, when the world economy is destroyed, uh, a, a one world government is government will emerge the bible calls it the great harlot but the harlot will then be destroyed by the dragon and the dragon is the middle east antichrist uh, uh nations led by the antichrist and so there's going to be a threat of global destruction there's going to be the rise of the antichrist and it's going to look like all is lost but then in verse 27 we'll see the we'll see the son of man coming in the clouds with power and great glory now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it's going to take an a intimate connection with God in the middle of the whole earth blowing up uh, to be able to look up and find peace and trust God and recognize that your redemption is near. No matter what it looks like in the world, no matter what it looks like is going to happen with threats of global destruction that are, that are going to grow and grow and grow and grow, we do not have to reach a place where we are dismayed and where we are overcome. You know, um, and Jesus, he went on and he spoke to them about the, about in a parable and said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when they're already budding, then you see, and you know for yourself that summer is now near. So you also, when you see all of these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say unto you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Almost every generation since the resurrection has believed they would be the generation to see and usher in the uh, return of the Lord Jesus. But what, what, what has always happened is we have always looked at current events uh, to the degree that we understood what was going on in the world around us. Well, this is the first time in the world, because, really because of the internet, because of satellites and you know all this stuff, this is the only time we've ever been able to see what's going on in the entire world at one time. And this is the only time that we have ever known factually that all of these signs that Jesus said were going to occur are actually happening all over the world. And so, and so we are having more and more what the Bible would call end time prophecies happening. But the point is we can see them happening all over the world. And if you've read the Bible, if you know these end time prophecies, you know this, but there's a problem in that there are, there are, Ignorant people who do not know the Bible, they're always looking at somebody else to tell them, or they always want to have, a, have somebody that's got a prophecy or a dream or, or whatever. And then there's those who just ignore the signs. And we talked uh, last week about the peop main people who will go into deception are the people who want to be deceived because they want to fulfill the lust of their flesh. They want to do corrupt things. They want to live corrupt lives. Now, listen to this. It says in Luke 21, and Jesus is speaking. He says, he says, take heed to yourself. Let your hearts be weighed down. 
Now, interestingly, this is not the people whose hearts are weighed down because of all of the destruction that's going on in the world. It's unless your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, with the cares and anxiety of life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Now, I want you to understand something. And this, you're kind of, this is almost the same thing Jesus said when he said, look, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah, you know, where people are eating, drinking, getting married, giving in marriage, and bam, suddenly the flood came. Well, I want you to understand, this does not mean that no one can read the signs. He wouldn't tell us that there are signs that we could read if no one could read the signs. Verse 35, it says, for it will come as a snare or as one, you know, as one uh, place Paul says, it will come like a thief in the night. But interesting, that thief will come and blow a trumpet. Now, I got news for you, that trumpet, that, that trumpet is going to be blown. Is, is like a dog whistle. You know, uh, if somebody were to go out in your yard or in your neighborhood and start blowing a dog whistle, all the dogs would start howling or running toward that dog whistle, but they would respond to it because they could hear something that other people can't hear. And so, you know, you've got this paradox of Jesus coming like a thief in the night, but you also got this paradox of the trumpet sounding. And you're saying, what, 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 is, what is all that about? Well, it's the difference between people who are listening and not listening. The difference between people who know what to listen for and the people who don't know what to listen for. This is verse 35. It says, for will come as a snare on all those who dwell in the face of the whole earth. And then now, if you just stop right there, you say, well, wait a minute. Everybody on the whole earth, well, wait a minute, he qualifies a couple things here. He says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, what's really interesting is that phrase, be counted worthy, is not what it says in the English language. That phrase, be counted worthy, it means to have the strength to overpower or, i.e., become and overcomer. Now, you know, the Bible talks over and over and over and over in the book of Revelation about being an overcomer. And the key thing to being an overcomer is him who has ears to hear. Can you hear? Are you tuned into that frequency? Do you recognize the voice of God when he speaks into your heart? And do you trust the voice of God when he speaks in your heart? Follow it more than you're going to follow anybody or anything else around you because you can do that. In Matthew 25, Jesus go, uh, you know, goes on to talk about this. He says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, we are the bride of Christ. And it's really important that we understand uh, customs in those times in order to understand this parable. Because uh, when a um, when a bride uh, was um, was what we would call engaged, um, basically, even though even though she was a virgin, she was she, she had not actually consummated the marriage, but yet she was still you know considered to be married, and so the bride. Whenever, whenever there would be a commitment made and the father would approve of it, then the bridegroom, the potential groom, he would go and he would prepare a place for his bride. He would usually do that under the supervision of his own family uh, to make sure that the place that he prepared was adequate and, and, uh, and it was as it needed to be and, and suitable for the bride that he had picked out. 
Now, at some point in time, the father would say to that son, okay, you now have an adequate place. It's time for you to go get your bride. We're going to have a wedding feast. We're going to have a marriage. This is going to happen. You're going to consummate your marriage. And so, uh, so the bridegroom uh, and his, uh, his groomsmen would go to the village. And uh, now during this time, whenever uh, the, bride, the bride was waiting, uh, she, her one goal was to prepare herself to be a great wife, to meet the bridegroom, to meet her groom, to be ready. And, you know, she would actually uh, 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 do all kinds of things, not only to, to prepare herself, to learn how to cook, to learn how to do all these things that she needed to do, but sometimes even uh, possibly even be like the, the, uh, uh, the virtuous woman in Proverbs, uh, actually out making investments and, and preparing and making everything ready to meet the bridegroom, to have this incredible uh, time of coming back together. And, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes that might take a few months. Sometimes it might, might even take a few years before the, both the bride and the bridegroom are ready. But at some point in time and the bride, see the bride never knew exactly when everything was going to be prepared. And so I don't know if they had a prearranged signal. They almost had to have a certain sound that she was to be listening for because the bridegroom, they did not come all the way to her house. According to some traditions, they would come to the, to the edge of the village. She would, she would hear a certain sound on the ram's horn being blown and she would always have everything ready. She would always have her bags packed. She would always be ready. And, and the thing is, if he came at night, which very often I think was the case, then she had to have oil in her lamp in order to make her way to where he was to meet the groom and to go uh, for, the, for the wedding feast and to, and to consummate their marriage. So, the virgin is the person who has given her heart to the groom, even though it has not yet fully been consummated yet. We are the virgins in the sense that we have given our commitment to our Lord Jesus. Uh, we have, we have become the, the bride. We have acknowledged him as the bridegroom and we should have been in all of this time since we've given our life to Jesus, preparing ourselves. And actually, you know, uh, one place uh, Jesus said, occupy until I return. In other words, be doing business and gaming ground. We should, we should have been gathering fortunes to give to our bridegroom whenever we meet him face to face. So it goes on to say in verse uh, two, it says that five of these virgins were wise and five were foolish. Now, uh, wisdom and foolishness is really an interesting thing because foolishness is basically, or a, fool, a foolish person is a person who will not learn by instruction. They only learn by consequences. And many times when the consequences come, it's too late. The word wisdom as used in the Hebrew language, is always talking about practical application, how to take truth and, and get it working in your, in your life. So, uh, you know, this is, not the, this is not the bride laying back and reading books about cooking. This is the bride learning how to cook. It says, so they that were wise took their lamps, but they didn't have oil in them. Well, oil generally represents the Holy Spirit. 
And so basically what he saying, and these, these are the ones like he talked about earlier, where he said that you know, they get tied up in the cares of this life. They're carousing. They're living foolishly. They are not living as someone who is getting ready to meet their Lord and Savior. But the wise, they have oil in their vessels. They, you know, this is the thing I tell people, stay prayed up. And you say, what do you mean by that? Stay full of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Spirit. The concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word filled has the concept of always yielding to the influence, always be yielding to the influence of the Holy Spirit, always be ready. So it says, um, it says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, there was a cry made, and behold, the bridegroom comes. And, and so it's time to go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So this is, this, is where you turn, you know, this is where you turn the lamp up or down. And it says, and the foolish said, oh, no, we need some oil in our lamps because we just don't have enough oil. Will you give us some of your oil? But the wise said, no, we're not giving you our oil less. There'll not be enough for us, but you need to go get some oil for yourself. You know, my, my good friend, Dr. Gary Cook, he says, this is where they said, I need to go. Uh, I need to go talk to my pastor and find out what I'm supposed to do. In other words, they're not living out of their heart. They're not connected to God for themselves. And so it says that they went to buy and, and, and they made ready and then they, then they came back. But the problem was when they came back, uh, the door to the marriage feast was already shut. And afterwards they came also other virgins said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. Well, you know what? There's going to be a time that Jesus is going to say, you know what? I, I, you were a worker of iniquity. And if you go look at Matthew chapter seven, that's the, that's the term. There's going to be all kinds of people. So we did all these things in your name. But you know what? If you didn't do, you might have done things for him. You might have used his name. But the question is, did you apply his word in faith and in love? And if you didn't, or if you did things for God, but you violated the scripture in doing it, then you're a worker of iniquity. And he says, so I really, I really don't know you. I mean, I, I know you did all this, but me and you don't know each other. We're not intimate because you never trusted me. You never listened to me. I want to tell you something. We don't want to be like the five foolish virgins. If we wait until all of these things that are happening, then we'll be like those virgins that did not prepare in advance. And if you're not prepared in advance, I'm not saying you can't get prepared under pressure, but it's really rare that you will. Now, I want you to understand something. This is not something somebody can do for you. You know, there's people all over the internet giving dreams and visions and prophecies about what is happening, what's going to happen. They may be right. They may be wrong. It, it really doesn't matter because it, here's, here's what I know. If you don't hear from God in your own heart about what's going on in the world, if you don't hear from God in your own heart about what you need to do next, you're going to find some way to ignore it. Uh, and, and you, when your life is on the line, you're rarely going to trust somebody else to give you uh, a word from God and you're going to trust it and have the confidence to act on it. You need to begin right now listening to the voice of God. You need to begin right now learning how to hear the voice of God in your heart. By the way, and, and you know, I just want you to understand that one of the main things we do at Impact Men is we teach people how to connect with God in their heart so that you don't need me, you don't need anybody else. We have this incredible program called Essential Heart Physics. It's a 30-day life 
altering program where you connect with God in your heart. You learn how to hear voice of God in your heart. You learn how to follow God in your heart. If you're interested, check it out at heartphysics.com. And listen, I hope you're enjoying these programs. This month, we have dealt with some incredibly serious serious reality and this is kind of something nobody wants to hear or they want to sensationalize well you know what i don't i don't want to sensationalize it i just want to equip you and everybody i know to be prepared to to live in victory to be an overcomer not to not be overcome by all these things and to prepare as many people around you as you can because, well, how, what about my kids what about my grandkids i'll tell you what about it you get prepared and they will follow you so listen, I hope you're enjoying this. Share it with a friend like this. If you're watching it on Facebook, go to uh, impactministries.com. Check out the hundreds of free video series that we have to help you in almost every area of your life. We are here to develop disciples. We are here to help you know how to walk with God. We're here to help you to experience life at its very best. And out of that abundance of life, you will influence and touch the lives of the people around you. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.